I'm Gwen Lister, host of this Free Speak podcast of the Namibia Media Trust, where we talk about all things media. Today, the topic is media literacy in light of a just-released report by the Deutsche Welle Academy. Now, I think it's difficult for most of us, but especially for ordinary folk, it's often almost impossible to know what's fact and what's fiction in this post-truth world. People get their news and information from a variety of sources, whether it's traditional media such as newspapers or online, mostly social media, as well as messaging services like WhatsApp and so on. So media literacy, the ability of people to critically use media, plays an essential role in helping them navigate what is called the disinfodemic. Deutsche Welle Academy's stated goal is to help young people to be both active and responsible media users. The organization is intent on helping inculcate analytical and thinking skills in the youth, both when they receive information and when they actively engage in dialogue. To this end, they've just released a Media Literacy Index, a report which covers media literacy habits in six African countries, which are Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, Kenya, Uganda, and Namibia. So with me today to talk about the state of media literacy, both here and in other parts of the continent, are two experts who've been closely involved in this groundbreaking study. My guests today are experts on the subject of media literacy. There's Jan Lublinski, who is head of policy and learning at the Deutsche Welle Academy. He's also a former broadcaster and with experience in many different countries around the globe. I also have with me Lizette Ferris, a social media entrepreneur or a social entrepreneur with a passion for human rights. And she's also the Deutsche Welle coordinator of media literacy in Southern Africa. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Hello, thank well, you. Welcome, Jan. Um, I think if I may, I'd like to start off with um, a question that deals with, I think, one of the best ways to convince people of the need for media literacy is to give them examples of instances where unquestioning belief in disinformation or a lack of media literacy in general has had major negative consequences. So if I may start off by asking you first, Lizette, and then Jan to follow, can either or both of you just cite one or two cases of just how damaging this disinformation can be? Well, Gwen, um, I think Namibians will remember a couple of months ago, there were two or three teachers, in fact, two at the coast and one in Kitmans, that actually lost their jobs because of hate speech uh, that they um, perpetrated in, on social media and it had a wide-reaching effect. Right. So, of course, you can lose your income, you can lose your career even. Um, on a traditional, in a traditional sense, we've had in the, in, in, <clears throat> sorry, in the Kavango <clears throat> region, in the Kwangali traditional authority, where a man was actually fined $12,000 or wow. six heads of cattle because of making derog derogatory comments online. Uh, 
And so this is a where our traditional courts actually come into play. And even now they are picking up on the power that social media has and how fast messages spread. And because we don't verify the information and, and we're not professional journalists, we're just um, citizens, we tend to share stuff that might hurt the other person, cause harm. Exactly. And so there's now a trend that people are being fined and people are being held accountable offline for what they do online. Exactly. And Jan, what about you um, from a perhaps a slightly broader perspective? Um, well, yeah, the- I, can, I can add some international examples that you probably know, but it's maybe good to, to, to be remembered of them. As you know, US President Donald Trump deliberately downplayed the danger of the coronavirus at the beginning of the year. Right. And of course, this had a huge effect on, on his country and uh, fatal consequences, if you will. And he was probably not the only leader worldwide. Um, and an even more drastic example, if I may, may add another one, is, is Myanmar. As you know, the, 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 there was a big campaign on Facebook against Muslims uh, run by the military um, with terrible rumors of stories of, you know, Buddhist women being raped by Muslim men and all, the, all these things that were made up and just, uh, distributed in a broad sense, which finally led to massive violence, murders, and the largest forced human migration in recent history by the Rohingya. Exactly. I think those are both very topical examples, Jan. Thank you for that. Maybe just to also broaden our discussion, um, Deutsche Welle Academy works in a much broader global context or environment than the countries that I just cited, uh, which are the subject for your study. But perhaps again to you, Jan, could you give us an idea of why media literacy is so important and how and why these six countries were identified to be the focus of your report? Well, well, to answer the last question, of course, we can't be everywhere. And mm-hmm. as you know, DW Academy is in this small world of media development, one of the big global players. Um, we support mil- or media information literacy projects in 26 countries. But the short answer is you have to start somewhere and right. be strategic about your choice, I guess. Um, the long answer is that we discovered seven years ago that in today's media world, it's not enough to support professional journalists, you know, newspaper makers, broadcasters, and so on. But you also have to work with and for the people that were formerly called the audience. Right. And we now call them users, don't we? And the problem is today, everybody's a media user, so everybody thinks that he or she knows about media. But the truth is, we all don't really know about media. Um, At least we don't know enough. Uh, media literacy is not something you acquire once um, and then you know it all. It's right. not like learning to ride a bicycle. Once you have learned it, then you keep this skill forever. I mean, I've been a journalist for 20 years, but when I speak with my daughter who still goes to school um, about Instagram, she easily outperforms me and I realize uh, how little okay. I know, in fact. Yes, you're absolutely and, right. And, <laughs> and, you know, as, as media literacy or, or media development experts, we also have to be honest and say we know very little about the levels of media information literacy in the different countries. As for different age groups, settings in urban settings and rural settings, we know very little. Um, uh, to, to plan good good programs and interventions with our partners on the ground. So we chose Africa to be the continent where we wanted to go further because we have very good partners in Africa. We have good experience in in these kind of programs. And these six countries that you mentioned are in fact the countries that DW Academy 
has been working in for a number of years. Um, I see. These are also called focal countries. Okay. And, and Jan, while on this, just very briefly, um, if you can touch on what are the major trends of your report. I saw, for example, that in Kenya, there seems to be a very strong tradition of critical thinking, not so in some of the other countries. Uh, how does one, across that spectrum, how do things look? Do they differ dramatically from country to country, the state of media literacy, that is? Well, well, there's maybe there's two answers here. One answer is that we we see in this study, which has been a really large study, you know, yes. you should know that we have yes. interviewed some three thousand young people, um, representative surveys in three countries, focus groups with four hundred young people, and expert interviews with forty people. So, so we get a broad for the first time we get a broad overview of what's actually going on, and we see this digital transformation that is taking hold of Africa. And um, we see also see the major challenges that young people face every day uh, that we already mentioned. Um, so um, so we see this global or this African movement towards media that two thirds in many countries of young people actually uh, use the Internet um, and so on. Well, but there's two, two developments in this. There are some countries like Burkina Faso, where only a third of the young people actually regularly access news online. Right. While in other countries, uh, it's, it's more than double. Um, so this is also some, a, a general trend that we see. But then, as you mentioned, we see individual trends in the different countries. But it's, it's, it's a bit tricky to compare our results from one country to the next. Because, as you know, every African country is different. The situation is different. The cultural context vary. So, um, so, so I'm a bit cautious in, in directly comparing right. what we found. Right. But I can say, I can yes, I can say in Kenya, yes, young people are particularly well in critical thinking. They okay. are able to identify biased reporting, you know, speak out or identify questionable, you know, messages like disinformation. Lizette, maybe just to bring it back to Namibia, which is also one of those countries. Uh, just a barrage of questions and you choose what you want. But can you speak to the situation here and tell us what you think are the major shortcomings in Namibia? Are Namibians unquestionably consuming disinformation or are they engaging in a lot of hate speech? And whose responsibility is it really to address issues around media lit uh, literacy and looking at this with an eye to elections coming up? Right. So um, at Mali, uh, the project that DW Academy um, supports, we train uh, the five dimensions of MIL, which is access, analyze, create, reflect and act. Right. And according to the study that Jan and the team did, uh, they found that there was quite a widespread uh, access to um, using digital media. So mm -hmm. a lot of young people have smartphones and data. Um, and also this is where they access uh, traditional media. Right. So we don't buy newspapers, but we, we get it online. Um, and then, of course, um, they showed a great uh, sort of reflection skill of their own social media use, as well as the uh, access uh, that they have or that less privileged people have. So the young people are more aware of the voices that are not um, in, in social media. Um, with regards to Analyze, uh, they are very happy and they value freedom of expression. Uh, they were aware of the quality of news and the information on social media. And they have a quite a good understanding of digital 
and media landscape uh, generally. With regards to reflection, uh, there's numerous strategies in combating um, to uh, to come to terms with cyberbullying and disinformation. Uh, there's a high awareness of cyberbullying and disinformation, especially online as well. And when it comes to creation, technical skills are quite uh, used quite often. We see more videos, we see more photos produced by sort of citizens. And then in, in the action sense, I think confidence in voicing one's concerns and self-expression. And recently, we've also seen an increase in activists successfully mobilizing using social media. The recent one, the GBV protest that happened a couple of weeks ago, and, and that was purely using social media as opposed to the traditional way of how we, we got people engaged. So those were some of the situation analysis uh, that we could find. With regard to the shortcomings, I think there's just a general lack of awareness of the role that MIL plays yes. in any society. And also we have limited access to MIL education. Before Mali, I didn't even know about MIL. So um, now with Mali, we've trained more than 1,500 youth. Um, and we have what we call youth projects, which is the multipliers that go out into the various regions. We've covered all 14 regions. So we hope to increase that and, and fill that gap in shortcoming in terms of accessing education and just being aware where, um, you know, being being able to analyze a media piece and know who made it, who right. owns the Namibian, for example. Right. Right. I asked that question today, nobody could answer. Nobody could answer. Um, mm. So these are the questions and, and information that young people need to, to make better decisions and to come to a conclusion themselves, as opposed to just tapping into the media house's agenda, for example. Um, in terms of Disinformation, hate speech. Um, the report says that uh, we show a considerable tor tolerance for cyberbullying, more so than hate speech and, and disinformation. And uh, we've also um, had that 5G example where the young lady who made a video about falling sick when the 5G tower was put up and then later uh, died by suicide. Um, and those two are linked. Uh, I mean, she didn't uh, explicitly say so, but a lot of people felt that she was being bullied. She was being um, sort of uh, trolled as well. So it just became too much for her because right. of putting her voice out there and what she had thought she'd actually had a, a lot of backlash. So I do think that there's a lot of disinformation going around, especially now during election, uh, local elections. Uh, there's a lot of tarnishing of the opposition party's image. Um, and when the when us as the users engage on these posts, there's a lot of name calling. There's a lot of insults that are flying around. And usually it also comes down to race. So um, especially with, with my race in Namibia, I find that I'm, my voice is not welcome, for example, in all the platforms because some people feel I, I shouldn't be speaking up on this issue. So it's a general awareness to say that we're a nation and we should be moving towards the same goal at the end of the day. And there should be a level of tolerance for everybody's voices. Um, and we all uh, sort of collectively contribute to finding solutions to the challenges that we have as a society. When we look at whose responsibility is it to address um, uh, media literacy, media information literacy, I think we need a diverse approach and all stakeholders needs to come to the table. Uh, we need to strengthen the educational system. Um, at the moment, we in the curriculum for, for grade, I think, grade four to grade 12, they have what they call a uh, information and communication as a subject. Right. But there are many challenges uh, to the teachers being able to really adequately train this or teach this. And also because uh, the digital information technology changes so quickly, um, it's difficult for them to, to stay abreast. Up. 
Yeah, yeah definitely. So that needs to be strength, strengthened at school, I think. Media houses need to have dialogue with users and explain the worth of journalism um, and also foster trust in journalistic media. Politicians also need to come to the table to be more constructive in their dialogue around media freedom and access to information. Um, I know there was once a rumor that went around that um, the government is going to spy on us and WhatsApp. They bought software and stuff. And, you know, um, and Namibians, I think, at that time also got a bit scared. But this is not, I think, constructive dialogue. Um, exactly. Um, our, our leaders should really listen to us. Also, civil society and civic education is needed for youth development. Right. You know, um, because I think we have a huge youth uh, population, percentage of our population is youth. And so that's also where our focus needs to be, to bring everybody to a general understanding that you need, if you have access exactly. to media, you need MIL education. Exactly. And like access to information, media literacy is for and by everyone, or it should be. Yes. Now, the report... Can I add something here? I, I really yes, think... Yes, Jan, please do. Uh, everything Lisette describes here is just shows how vibrant this is and how important these these things really are. So media information literacy is not only about access and skills and learning, but it's really, really about digital rights. It's about, you know, people acting on, on the situation and trying to change things. And this is what I think we need to convey more and more to the young generation that they you know they can use their social media they can you know use their smartphones and the internet and 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 not only have fun with them but also you know act act on on problems and and really um get things to change um based on these new newly acquired skills a very good point there Jan definitely but the report also you know makes mention of things like digital authoritarianism being on the rise censorship increased censorship misinformation and of course, those darn algorithms, um, and that the aim, obviously, of Deutsche Welle Academy is to get people to develop those basic media skills and critically understand their digital rights, as you say, with regard to these challenges. On the other hand, perhaps this to you, Jan, some people may say that the media literacy campaigns are focusing on the effects rather than the causes of disinformation. How would you respond mm. to a critique like this? Well, I think you, you definitely have to work on both sides. I mean, it is not only the citizens and their rights, it's also about the governments and their obligations. Um, and you need to hold governments to account. And, you know, and of course, we need to support your and other people's advocacy work in this domain. But I think we also need to make sure that the users and the citizens actually know about their possibilities and actually make use of them. Right. Another issue I think that's quite important and it struck me, obviously your campaigns target youth and Lizette, you've also just emphasized that. Now, I was kind of leaning back and thinking, well, actually, if I need to know something about online, I ask my daughter. If I'm battling with a digital issue, I ask the kids. So uh, we're targeting the youth. On the other hand, the elders are the ones who simply can't cope in this in this new digital area what are lizette give me your thoughts quickly and then jan yours as well as to why the youth rather than everybody is targeted in a campaign like this yeah i think um gwen if we look at the youth we're already looking at those between 15 and 35 okay. so it's quite a huge bracket it is and uh, we have had older people we've had retirees who are part of our program. So we don't, we won't say no uh, to elderly people or to more mature sure. people sure. who want to join us. And I think um, the youth really is uh, the space that they, they're more digital natives. 
You know, you, right. you find them that they're more inclined to use digital technology. They understand it better than than the older people. I would even call myself a digital migrant because I went from an analog world to a digital world, you know. Exactly. So um, that's kind of, and, and we're focusing on the youth only because they they are more avid users of social media, particularly, whereas the elderly people more focuses on traditional media. And there you have um, more checks and balances in right. place Good point. Uh, to protect them um, in terms of disinformation. Right. And I just want to say an example of, of, for example, this information that we had recently uh, under the state of emergency during um, uh, Corona times. Uh, we had the law that disinformation or false news uh, was criminalized, Correct. right? Um, and I think that in itself already put a bit of sort of hesitation in people to spread disinformation because okay. we had that one incident in Wolfish Bay where a man, um, a resident of Wolfish Bay, spread the false news about one of the trucking companies uh, who said that their people were the ones who escaped I remember and the spread case. corona. Yes. Mm. And he was actually fined and criminalized under, under that law um so that it we can all be aware of of the fact that it's actually illegal now about the state of emergency is not there but at least we had the law already and we could fight again to bring it back to some extent to say that if you spread disinformation this is information that is false and it's uh, sent to intentionally cause harm right right so it's right. a very intentional act but, and that's but you why say it's criminalized. That this this law uh, criminalizing it sort of put the brakes on that yeah definitely i okay. mean it 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 definitely i uh, used to get a lot of Sorry, disinformation messages, and that has has calmed down um, a lot Quite since that law. Yeah. Well, that's positive. Any thoughts from you on that on that score, Jan? Yes, I think it's interesting that the study actually shows for Namibia that there's among young people a shift towards social media from traditional media. Although they they still trust traditional media more, they use social media and they also use radio because it's available. Exactly. Um, but I think you need. Um, when you use social media along with other media that you may trust more, you need uh, a special media literacy, media and information literacy um, to, to be able to deal with it all, uh, to use it for, for good purpose and, and to, you know, to claim your rights and to advance things. And I think this is why we're tackling mostly young people, what we don't forget the old. And I think, you know, the question is youth is also, of course, you define it by age, but as you know, there are some, you know, really agile um, yeah older people who really work their way into this world. And, and there are younger people who are somehow resistant to, to opening up to, to this new, these new new ways. And I think, I think so youth is not only a matter of age, if you allow me that <laughs> remark. Thank you for that. that. That helps me a lot too. Uh, um, <laughs> media literacy campaigns, you know, one usually uh, presumes target people who are the most undiscerning about the kind of information they consume and on pass. But what about, and you mentioned this earlier, Jan, in a slightly different context, but what about one may call what I call the Trump effect, namely citizens who actively and knowingly seek out information which confirms and reinforces their own prejudices, whether it's true or not. They don't seem to care. Does this seem to be a trend at all in your in your report? Uh, Jan, perhaps you first and then Lizette. Yeah. To, to be honest, I'm not sure if I can read it from the report, but it definitely is a general okay. trend globally that we all okay. work, live in certain echo chambers and only you know want right. to hear what, what the people say who think like us. And, and this is why you know media information literacy or generally being a citizen that takes freedom of expression seriously means also being you know opening up and also seeking dialogue and exchange also with people 
where you don't have common ground immediately. Okay. And this is, you know, this is the idea of getting out of your comfort zone and you know, and, and facing people that, that might think differently. And this is hard work and it's not nice and it sometimes hurts to, to yes. get to involve in these discussions. But this is the only way out of out of these echo chambers, I guess. Lizette, perhaps hold your thought because I think we're coming to the end here. So I want to just ask a question and give you both a chance just to speak to it. And, and it's sort of a, a two-pronged question. One is really, how does one popularize um, campaigns for media literacy so that it really becomes instinctive? Mm -hmm. So that people, as soon as they read anything, whether it's in traditional media, online, that they make that sort of step to fact check and to think twice before they unpass something that could be patently false. Mm -hmm. And the second aspect of the question is a few thoughts from you both about how you think media literacy, in other words, the, the extent of it, less or more, impacts democracy and why more discerning media users can help to contribute to more, can we call it knowledge-based societies in which people are active and smart participants in both the governance agenda as well as in their own lives. Let's start with Lizette and then with Jan. Right. So um, I think motivation plays a lot into it. Um, it's like any other skill, any other training that we would do is you first start, you want to do it. So it's also about self-awareness. Um, and then, of course, finding the relevant places. I know, for example, UNESCO is a wide variety of resources, right. and MIL. Um, and there's many other. There's Canadians as well um, that uh, have excellent websites that you can actually go through the training without having to pay or leave your home. So I think it's the starting point for me would be motivation and awareness so that people can know what impact uh, being media and information literate has on their life. I mean, you can access quality information. You can make more informed decisions. You can contribute meaningfully to dialogue right. and actually affect change. Absolutely. We've seen in countries where social media mobilization played a role in the revolution for example. So um, I think that as, as uh, citizens, um, we just need to take that first step and say, okay, I need these skills or recognize the shortcomings that we have. Because a lot of the times I find in Namibia that people choose their media. So you will get, um, you know, they only read the Namibian, they only read the Republican, they only read yeah, New Era. They have their preferences. Preferences, yeah. But you need to be able to access a wide variety of sources. You need to hear the opposition view, um, you know, for you to actually make that well-informed and quality quality decision at the end of the day. And I think it also comes with demanding our rights or demanding better coverage in media. For that, you have to be media literate as well. So I think we have to sort of um, get people to a realization to say that MIL actually improves your quality of life. Absolutely. Good way of putting it. Jan, final thoughts from you. I think Lizette put it really well. Um, I, I can only summarize in a way what she said. I, I like this idea of, of first of all, on, on the first level, just having some sense of self-awareness and, and being being aware that there are things I still need to learn and, and to, to improve and maybe to better communicate myself. And I know in the Millie program, there were many young people actually use this to, to also you know, maybe find a better job or um, or to, to just improve their own, their, their own capacities. But then in the next step, you, you become aware that this, this is not only about yourself, but it's about you and communicating with others and engaging in democratic, in, in democracy processes and advocating for certain rights and actually changing things thanks to these skills that you may have acquired. And I think this is a really good way forward 
especially for young people in Africa who have access to these new technologies and can make a change. Exactly. And I think it, it goes without um, saying that, you know, a more media literate uh, global population, a better world, mm -hmm. really. So on that note, thank you, Lizette, very much for joining us today. And thank you, Jan, all the way from Berlin, I believe, uh, for chatting to us about this very important question. I hope we have a chance to revisit again in the future. Lots Thanks to talk much. about. Thank you.